hear these words for you from the preacher John. For this is the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now I ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Well, a week ago Friday, my family and I wanted to go out to eat. We'd been missing those opportunities to go to our restaurants and, and, and to sit and, and to order from a menu and uh, to be served and, and to enjoy conversation together. We, we enjoy our times around our own dinner table, but we've missed being able to go out. And so we went to the only place we could go out, and that was to A&W in Park Rapids because we could do the drive-in and, and get the food and, and eat and, and all those things. Yes, we were eating in our car. But at a Papa Burger. I hadn't had a Papa Burger in a long time, and it was so good. It was so good that it reminded me of In-N-Out Burger. Now, those of you who don't know what In-N-Out Burger is, it is a franchise, a burger franchise. It's on the, way, the West Coast solely. There are some places in Nevada and Arizona, but it is fantastic. It's kind of the Chick-fil-A of the West Coast because it's, a, it's owned by a Christian family. And so when we were in junior high and high school and we'd do youth trips around California, we'd always try and find an In-N-Out burger because if we went there, we felt like it was an extension of church, you know, felt like we were communing with Jesus because you'd, you'd order your food and then you'd get the cup and you'd be able to look underneath the, 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 your, your pop cup and, and there would be a, a Bible verse of some kind. Quite often it was John 3.16. But you felt like you were communing with Jesus. Like, like it was an extension of the Lord's Supper or something, which was, that's kind of weird sounding, but I was in junior high and high school. Give me a break. Well, at In-N-Out Burger, they have a not-so-secret menu anymore. It was, it was more hidden when I was in, in junior high and high school there in the 90s, but they'd have their regular menu with hamburger, cheeseburger, french fries, onion rings, shakes, pop, that sort of thing. But there's always the secret menu of you could go up and you would order, and it was special language that you, you would use, kind of like Starbucks or, or, or Caribou. Everyone goes in there and it's like you're speaking a foreign language because you know how to order your half-calf with skim milk, blah, 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 blah. Well, you'd go into In-N-Out and say, for instance, my go-to when I was in high school, now please don't judge me, was a 4 by 4 animal style. If you don't know what that is, that's four patties, so it's like half a cow on a burger. In animal style, it included extra sauce, which was their fantastic Thousand Island dressing that they make, plus fried onions, which just 
make everything better. And then you'd get animal style French fries where it'd be the French fries with melted cheese, Thousand Island dressing, fried onions. So good, just phenomenally good. But it was a, technically a secret menu. Those things weren't up there. And so you felt like you were on the inside, that you were, you were part of the in crowd. You had the lingo down. And it was like you were having the real experience of in and out People would know that you were an aficionado. Well, here in our reading this morning, Christ is coming to us and he's giving us more than just a, a, a sort of plain Jane Christianity. He's giving us this reality of the Christian life that it's, there's no secrets as much as needing to continually know the Lord and be encompassed by the special word. This word that comes to us to remind us of who Christ is, to refresh us, to bring us on the inside of what it is that God has done in Jesus regularly, all the time. Not just some going through the motions, motions type stuff, not just in a facade, but the real deal Jesus, the real deal spirit, the real deal God. And so it comes to us in the spirit, in the, in the form of words, of, of, of knowing things. You, you take the time to read here and it says things like the world is unable to receive the spirit, the spirit of truth, because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him. You have knowledge of the Spirit because he abides with you. He remains with you. And he's going to be in you, going to be part of you. Well, the Spirit, the word that is used, the translation in my, my Bible is, is the word counselor, but it, it can also mean helper. It can, it can mean a word like advocate. But it's this word paraclete, which is a really fun word because it sounds like parakeet. But it's paraclete, and it comes from this, this verb, parakaleo, which, which means to urge or entreat or request or implore, to, to cheer up, to encourage, to call to one's aid, to, to invite. This one who is to come to strengthen, to comfort, to encourage, to console. That's, that's the verb form of it. Paul uses that verb quite regularly in his writings in the epistles where he says, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, or I urge you, and then he gives some sort of guidance. The encouragement and the consolation that come through the word, through the scriptures. Well, we take that verb and it was turned into this noun and it's, it's very rarely used except in the context of the spirit one who is called to someone's aid. And the way it was translated by the, the early church fathers would be the form of, of, of that word for advocate, but it's not as much a lawyer. Don't think of this as a court case. It's, it's the picture of a representative of a king. Think of it as a, a mayor of a village in, in a kingdom. They're given this office to represent the king, Right? Or, or say a, a, a counselor that comes to, to represent the king in another kingdom, like an ambassador. 
Or another word that, that was used in the Roman society would be Patronus. You probably recognize that from Harry Potter. This would have been a protector, a, a, a sponsor, a benefactor. It'd be somebody who was wealthy or powerful that would have someone under them that they would need to be taken care of. That's the picture of the Spirit here. One who appears on another's behalf. Other words we've used have been mediator, intercessor, helper. And we usually want to depict it as the Spirit coming and helping us when we are in trouble. Being an advocate quite often for us before God and for us before others. But that's not the case. Here we read that the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father to us and lives in us on behalf of God. Church, especially Lutheran church, we, we do so poorly with the Spirit. We so often see it as either something for, for the, the Pentecostal folks or a bird. We never see the Spirit as who the Spirit truly is. This one who comes to us to be an encourager of the lover. Encourager of the lover of Christ, the one who, who loves Christ and desires to, to cherish his commands or his tasks or his promises or his word, to, to cherish Christ himself, that the Spirit comes to us to encourage us in that. The Spirit comes to us to help God spread his word. The Spirit's always attached to the word, the, the action of opening our ears to hear, to hear from the scriptures the promises of God, to hear of the gospel, to hear of the consolation that comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on your behalf. That's the work of the Spirit to open that for us. But the Spirit's also there for us when love fails. That the Spirit is there to be our counselor for us when we fail at keeping these commands when we fail at cherishing the word of God, when we fail at loving Jesus the way we ought to, when we fail at loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength, and body, he's there to whisper in our ear the words of Christ, I forgive you. But the words of God saying, I am yours and you are mine, and I will be with you forever that little whisper of God speaking in your ear. We also read later on in this chapter, in verse 26, that he is there to come to teach us, to help us understand this word better, to help us understand Christ more, but also to bring to our remembrance all that Christ said, to remind us of Christ's work for us, because we so often forget He's also a witness for God to us. He's actually a character witness for God on God's behalf to us to remind us of the work that God is doing. And we see the Spirit as this gift sent to us. Sent to us. We can't get the Spirit ourselves. It's sent to us, given as a gift. And a gift that is to glorify Christ. We read of in verse 14. Verse 13, actually. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And that is to come by the Spirit, by this work. 
the glorifying of Christ through that. Church, part of the struggle that I've had as a pastor is that so often we hear of this passage and it's talked about in the sense of the Spirit is our advocate before God, as though God is sitting on his throne and he's sort of a lawyer for us to make a defense for us, and that's not the case. He's come to us to not conduct our case before God, but to conduct God's case before us. That we might understand God for who he is. What God has done for us more and more. Because the reality is, church, your faith is not yours. It was a gift given to you. That's what the scriptures teach us. There's a reason why every time we open the scriptures, my prayer before each sermon is, Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and one another, we pray. Because we need the Spirit's working, we need the Spirit's power in us to be able to love God and to be able to love our neighbor. And so church, as we go into these last few days together, I beg that the Spirit might come and continually to always open up your hearts and your minds and your ears to this word, that you might hear of what it is that God has done and is doing for you. Because God comes to you by the Spirit during this time of everything being so uncertain, during this time in which we don't think we're doing a good job as father or mother or citizen or pastor or teacher or whatever, and the Spirit comes to us and says, you are enough because Christ has made you enough. That your love for God and for one another is going to be enough because Christ has loved you. That is what John says to us in 1 John. We love because he first loved us, he says. And so church, know that from the Spirit's working in you, the Spirit will abide with you always to be there to open your ears and your hearts that you might know that your Christ is yours and you are his. Thanks be to God. Amen.